let me uh, give give a, a quick shout out because uh, uh, I don't think Caroline's here. Zach, Caroline here today? No. Uh, Caroline Harris um, teaches in our first grade, and uh, she also just was elected. Uh, uh, for the Republican Party for the state representative, and uh, you, you probably. And, uh, but Dylan started coming because he is part of Young Republicans, and he knew Caroline, and he, she had an influence on his life to come and to see go full circle is just a beautiful thing. Uh, what God can do, and uh, God can use you in politics, too. Uh, how about that? Um, also, uh, man, this—I don't know how your week's gone. We're in the summer already. June first comes this next week, which is crazy. And I know you kids are glad to be out of school and and these kind of things. We have Vacation Bible School coming in uh, two weeks. And uh, I know many of you are serving. If you're not serving or you're not signed up, man, I would encourage you. It's one of the fastest weeks of the summer, but most fulfilling. And then one other thing while I'm I'm speaking about family ministry is, uh, you know, Jenny Bates is the head of our preschool. And we were talking. Yeah, give a whoop for Jenny. Uh, And uh, Jenny's doing a great job. But she was sharing a staff meeting the other day. How that, and this is kind of a since COVID kind of thing you run into, is people are just aren't fully engaged yet as far as serving and uh, and these kind of things. And so, uh, you know, I just said people may not know that we have gaps in our preschool area, and so uh, it's a calling for you that grew up in church like I did. There was somebody loving me from the womb, and there'll be somebody loving me into the tomb. But, but, uh, but I know that people had an incredible impact and loving on these littles. So I would encourage you, if, if you can give all your time or part of your time to loving on our preschool, please let Jenny know. And, uh, and so we can uh, make sure they're taken care of. You don't know who's in there. Uh, you, some of you were in there at one time, and we were, we were wondering, man, will that person ever get saved? Uh, and we're still wondering on some of you, but, uh, but man, we, we need you. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6. We, we want to set the table for when we take the Lord's Supper in just a moment. And uh, uh, this has been a hard week uh, in many, many ways because of uh, what took place at Uvalde and a couple of weeks ago in Buffalo, New York, and a few weeks back in California, just the, the number of things that have made our hearts heavy this week. And... Uh, but yet we come to the table, and I wanted to kind of set the, uh, set the background for Isaiah chapter 6, because it is really right where we're at today, as far as I'm concerned. Isaiah was a prophet in the Old Testament, uh, uh, but 
What was going on historically is that the king of Judah was Uzziah. Uzziah, get this, had been the king for 52 years. The good thing about it is he was a good king. And uh, he struggled kind of at the finish line, but he was overall good king. King, uh, Militarily, they had safety. Uh, financially, economically, they were doing well. Uh, religiously, they were doing well. In fact, uh, many, many historians will say Uzziah was one of those, the last of the great kings that led into a little bit of a religious revival for the Jewish nation. And uh, so this is King Uzziah. But he had been king for 52 years, and now he dies. And so the earthly uh, throne is empty. And what people had been looking to for security for so many years, all of a sudden is shaken. You know how we hate change anyway. So 52 years of that, we can barely put up with a four-year or eight-year president. And so 52 years. But this is what they just came to expect that. The other thing was the Assyrians were rumbling from the north about coming down to uh, engage the Judah in war. And so there's this shakiness. All of a sudden, the throne is empty. An enemy is at the gate. Is our uh, prosperity going to be challenged? Is our militarily, are we going to be challenged? We don't know what's going to happen. And then in Isaiah chapter 6, God gives Isaiah an incredible vision and allow me to read it, uh, verse Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 8. It says this, In the year that King Uzziah died, 740 BC, 740 BC is when that was. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated, sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew, and one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke, and I said, Woe is me! For I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. What an incredible vision. And when you see the background, you see the incredible picture of what Isaiah is seeing. The, the earthly throne room is empty, but God gives him a vision of the heavenly throne room, and God is on his throne. And uh, I, here's the deal. Today, as I walk through this with you, 
Here's my prayer. I pray that God will give you a, a courage today. And, and I don't mean a courage to go out and throw yourself in front of a car pushing somebody out of the way or something like that. Or courage to go run down a robber or, or any of that. I mean the courage to deal with what's going on in your heart. The hidden things that are going on in your life. The things that nobody would ever know about but yet eat you up on a day-to-day basis. The courage to deal with it. Because listen, we know as pastors and elders, we know that many of you are struggling. We know that your marriage is struggling. And, and marriage struggles do not come just simply because we don't like each other anymore. It comes from a root of selfishness and pride that creeps in there and sin creeps in there. And you have to deal with that root if you're going to deal with your marriage. Also, we're seeing that many young men and older men are being sucked in by the power of pornography today. And it's a hidden sin, so we don't want to deal with it. But yet I'm praying that God would give you courage to deal with those things in your heart today. Because I want you to know that despite what happened last Tuesday in Uvalde, that despite what happened two weeks ago in Buffalo, New York, despite what happened weeks ago in California in that church, despite the fact that reports came out this week from the Southern Baptist Convention about how many uh, cover-ups there have been about sexual abuse situations, which is horrendous. And all of these things are horrendous. I want you to know that God is still on His throne. He has not abandoned His throne. And Isaiah is there, uh, and all of this shakiness, and what he sees is he sees that God is on his throne. And um, I was just thinking, as I watched the news and I read the news this week, I would hear terms like, our culture is broken, Our our current culture is evil, our current culture is full of angry people. Our, our current culture uh, is just uh, uh, corrupt. And I heard this, and I didn't hear it from a pulpit, from our preacher. I heard it from the news. And this is what they were saying. And yet, God has told us all along in, in Jeremiah the prophet that the heart is deceitful. It, it, is not, it is not just that the actions were carried out, And it's not just a mental health issue. It is a deceived heart. And what has happened, unless the heart is dealt with, this deception will continue. And and I know that people have asked, where was God on Tuesday? Where was God two weeks ago in Buffalo, New York, when this horrendous racial thing happened? Where was God when these things happened, when this were abused? Listen, he was where God, where our country has asked him to be, to be not involved. He was involved, but yet we have just about in all ways asked him to not be involved. And we get surprised when things like this happen. 
And judgment begins with the household of God, so we can't cast stones at somebody else. Are we willing to say, God, we need you. We repent. We confess these things that have gone on in our nation. So what happened is Isaiah found himself in a very uh, common spot. There, there, it was horrendous what was going on. But yet, first of all, is Isaiah saw God. He saw the Lord. He saw the Lord high and lifted up in a holy uh, manner. Uh, I, I just can't imagine the vision he had of the awesomeness of God. And notice what it says. It says, the train of his robe filled the temple. Now, what is, what is the big deal about that? Well, I've shared with you before historically that when a king defeated another king, he was able to take his robe or part of his robe and, and cut it off and he would hem it to his own robe. So the longer the robe, it showed the greater authority that that king had. And so when it says that the, that the train of his robe filled the temple, what it was saying is he's all authority. He's over all kings. He over, he's over all rulers. He is absolute authority. So when Isaiah is there and he's gazing at the throne of God, what happens is, is he's seeing all authority here. And then he's seeing these seraphim, they're, they're called the burning ones, is what the word literally means. Uh, we, do, we, we do know that they had two wings cover their eyes, two wings cover their feet. With two wings they flew, and they cried out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I've shared with you before that when the repetition of a word shows the intensity. So holy is one thing, separate, uh, morally pure. Uh, it, he, he is set apart. There is no other God like him. But when you say holy, 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 is an intensity that the holiness, there is no one else like him. And there is two places in Scripture where this holy, holy, holy is done. One is in Isaiah chapter 6 here. The other is in the book of Revelation where John has his throne room vision as well. The, the uh, angelic beings, the, the seraphim are crying out, holy, holy, holy. There is no other God. He is complete authority. He is set apart. And Isaiah has this throne room experience. The first thing he does is Isaiah sees God. He sees the Lord high and lifted up. I want you to hear me. My prayer is that God, somehow you would reveal yourself so we see your glory. And, and I know, shame on me, because His glory is evident every day. But yet, how often do we miss it? And have we not lost the awe of our Creator? Have we not lost the awe of His power? And we seem to have our eyes on us instead of gazing upon the beauty of His holiness. So Isaiah saw the Lord. But second of all, Isaiah saw himself. You know, it, 
it's one thing to have a worship encounter and we say, okay, Lord, we love you. We sing these songs. We pray these prayers. But yet when we have an encounter with the Holy God, we have to look at our own frailty at that point. And notice what happened with Isaiah. The minute he experienced the holiness of God, he saw his frail humanity, nothing good. He saw nothing good in his flesh. And he was a prophet. And yet he has to say, oh, I am undone. It, literally, woe is me. I, I, I am a doomed man. I have seen the holiness of God. You see, most of life, let's be honest, we're comparing ourselves to one another. And we're not that bad. I mean, we can always find somebody that we're better than. I mean, just look around the room. I mean, just, you, you, you want to compare yourself to somebody, and so you puff yourself up, and we, we have developed what's called moral deism, where is if my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds or I'm better than somebody else, then God is obligated to take me, right? That's, the, uh, that's our culture today. But let me tell you something. When you get the picture of a holy God, what happens is, is you see your human frailty and failure. And the sin is your, your own life. And some people think that if Isaiah... the he said, I'm a man of unclean lips. Sometimes people think, well, he had a cussing problem or he had a gossip problem or something like that, and God had to take the coals to his lips. I don't think so. I, 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 maybe he had a cussing problem, maybe he had a gossip problem, I don't know. But I do know that he was going to be God's spokesman, and if he was going to be God's spokesman, God needed to purify him to be able to speak. And so what happens is, is that Isaiah saw God, and then Isaiah saw himself. And then notice the grace and mercy of God that he, he takes the coal to his lips, and there's a purification. The coal came from the altar of sacrifice. It's a beautiful picture. And then there's the redemption that comes and the grace and mercy that came upon Isaiah and then notice, last of all, Isaiah saw the need around him. Isaiah saw the Lord, Isaiah saw himself, and then Isaiah saw the need that was around him. And here's the deal. We are so busy looking at ourselves nearsighted that we don't see the need around us. Um, Keith Green was, Keith Green died decades ago, but he was a 28-year-old singer. He had been, uh, came to the Lord. I mean, high impact on my life, his music. I still listen to all his stuff today. But uh, he, he, he wrote a song that was a prayer. And he, I'll never forget the lyrics that were in there. It said this, It's so hard to see when my eyes are on me. Man, you think about it. You, because what has happened in our culture is we're just looking out for our needs. We're just looking for what makes me feel good. We're looking for what makes my life comfortable. And there's people struggling all around us. 
And so we, we, when we see the Lord high and lifted up, and then we see ourselves for the way we are, and we have the courage to do something about it, then we start seeing the need that is out there. We let our gaze be on the Lord, and then our glance, we see the need that is there. Now, where am I going? Obviously, is this. In a day when things are shaky, in a day where we're looking at war in the Ukraine, we're in a day of looking at violence and anger in our own country, we're looking at a day of mourning and grieving, we're looking at a day of, of anger over uh, sexual abuse that is there and racism and, and these things that are there that create an anger and, and a discomfort in all of us and it should be grieving in all of us. I believe that God Almighty wants, to, wants us to get a fresh picture of Him and His awesomeness. And then in that, as we come to the table today, we're willing to have the courage to deal with whether it's unclean lips or unclean mind from our thinking or unclean eyes from our lust or unclean hands from what we do or take or steal or unclean lips, uh, whatever it is, that God is willing to take those things that we're willing to confess, we have the courage to deal with, and then what He does is He so transforms that we see others in the need that is around there. There was a father and his young daughter and they had just attended the funeral of the wife and the mother of the daughter. And they're on their way home and, and uh, people had said, why don't you come stay with us a while? Come stay with us. The memories of being in the house are going to be too bad. Why don't you come? And the father says, no, we need to be at our own house. And so they, they go to their house and they lay down that night and the father decides to pull his little girl's mattress into the room so she could sleep on the floor right by him. And so he's, he's laying on the bed and she's on the mattress and they're laying there wide awake and, and all of a sudden he hears in the dark, Daddy, it's so dark in here. I need to know you're there. Are you there, Dad? And he says, Honey, you know I'm here. I'm right here beside you. And with those words, the little girl was able to drift off to sleep. Well, the father is still laying there wide awake. And pretty soon he has this prayer. Father, it's so dark here. I need to know you're there. Are you there, Father? All of a sudden, he was reminded of a verse in Isaiah 40, 30, 41, verse 10. I want to read it to you. In Isaiah 41, 10, it says this, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Things, this has been a hard season. 
and, and some of you are thinking, yeah, Mark, but summer's coming and, and these kind of things. Yeah, but there's hurting people. And as we come to the Lord's table this morning, I just pray that you will take a moment for the Lord to show himself to you. I mean, if you even doubt he existed, I love what, what, what uh, Jacob said up there in the baptistry. I, I have my moments of doubt. We all do. We all do. That's why God had to reveal himself through his son, Jesus Christ. And maybe you're willing today, you have the courage and the guts to say, God, I want to see you. And as I see you, I want to see myself for the way I really am, not comparing myself to somebody else. And Father, you deal with me so that you can use me while I'm here. Why don't you bow your heads with me just a moment?